Republican president equals stock market up, Democrat president equals stock market down, or vice versa. It's not that simple. The market is very resilient. Companies, good companies, find ways to make money and to be more profitable regardless of who's in office. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us on the Financial Pathway Podcast with Nate Skelly, where we discuss important financial questions and give you practical advice to guide you on your financial journey. If you enjoy the podcast, consider subscribing and leaving us a review. You can also follow the Financial Pathway page on Facebook for more helpful financial tips and videos. Hey, everybody, it's Nate Skelly. Welcome back to the Financial Pathway podcast. We're covering part three of our five-part series, Common Investing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. And today I want to talk to you about what to expect when you are investing. A little bit of a play off of what to expect when you are expecting. So if you're a parent, there's a good chance you've read that book at some point. I remember when we were expecting our first child, uh, Jaden, we we read that book, and especially for me, uh, as a dad, there's just sort of this, this. you just feel lost. You feel like I'm going to be responsible for another human being and I have no idea what I'm doing. So I need to prepare however I can. And so reading books was one thing that was helpful for me because you have to have realistic expectations. Whether it's taking care of a new child, whether it's uh, stepping into a new relationship, starting a new job, you have to have realistic expectations. Otherwise, you're setting yourself up for frustration and for disappointment. Nothing is more soul-crushing than going into something thinking you know what it is, and then it turns out to be completely different. Like It totally upends all of your pre-existing um, expectations. And, and, and so in this world of investing, it's very important for you to know what you're getting yourself into. You have to know what to expect because otherwise you're going to jump into this world or you're going to be in it for a little while and think you know what it's like. And then something's going to come along that just jars you, that just throws you off and you say, wait, wait a second. This wasn't what it was supposed to be. I didn't expect that. And if you're not careful, that event can be the catalyst for a very bad decision. And so whether you are jumping into this world of investing, you're new to it, or you've been investing for a long time, it's good for us to visit realistic expectations. And if you've been investing for a while, to revisit those expectations and to keep yourself grounded to say, okay, this is what's normal. This is what I should expect. So when it happens, I should not be thrown off by it. So let me talk to you first of all about the economic cycle very simple to understand there's four phases we have first of all expansion and then we had a peak and then recession and then trough those are the four stages so we have expansion sometimes we call this a bull market the market is expanding it's growing and then we reach a peak we reach that high point and then there's a recession it begins to recede sometimes we call this a bear market and so values are dropping markets going down and then we reach a trough a low point at which, at which point the cycle begins all over again and we have expansion. So that's simple to understand, but that's how the market behaves. And each cycle is different. The expansions are, some, some are bigger than others. Some recessions are worse than others. But it is a continual process. And so when it happens, we should not be shocked that, oh, look at the market growing or look at the market receding. That is what the market does. That's part of the economic cycle. And by understanding how it behaves, 
it will help ground us and keep us from being uh, so anxious and being so nervous in the the in-between stages while we're experiencing that cycle. So let's talk about stock market um, events uh, specifically. Uh, Maybe you've heard of a correction. A correction would be when there's a drop of more than 10%, but not more than 20%. So between 10 to 20% drop in the stock market, that's what we call a correction. And this actually happens on average once a year. It does not happen every year. Some years there are two or three corrections. Some years there are none. But on average, historically, we've seen about one correction a year. And these usually recover fairly quickly. Usually within two to three months, the market is back to where it was uh, when it began that drop. And so if you're not aware of that, if, you, if you're if you not uh, familiar with how often corrections happen, that can be a very panic inducing event to say, well, what's going on? What's happening? The market's down 12%. Well, yes, it is. But when we look at historically the behavior of the market, this is certainly not out of the ordinary. This is something that happens on average once a year. Now, one out of five of those corrections, about 20% of them, will turn into a bear market, meaning it will go more than a 20% drop. And that's what we, we typically term a bear market when we see that going into that that territory of more than 20% drop. This would happen on average once every three to five years. And the recovery time is typically anywhere from six months to two years for the market to get back to where it was before that bear market. And usually it is on the shorter side of that, but that, that's the, the, the range, the typical range, six months to two years for a bear market to, to correct. And the thing about bear markets and corrections is that nobody knows when they're going to happen. Experts get it wrong all the time. So just because you saw an article, just because you saw somebody on the news that is predicting a bear market this year or next year, uh, that doesn't really mean much because there's always people predicting corrections, always people predicting bear markets, and so often they are getting them wrong. The, The reality is that nobody knows. People sometimes will see indicators that says, well, it certainly wouldn't be surprising. It certainly would make sense if there's a bear market, but nobody truly knows when these things are going to happen. So it's it's important for us to not try to time them. Remember what we talked about last week in timing the market. Don't try to make a market timing decision where you think we say, oh, I think there's probably going to be a correction here in the next three months. So let me sell out of stocks now. And then when it happens, then I'll get back in and buy lower. Uh, be very careful about that because oftentimes uh, you'll get it wrong. Sometimes you'll get it right, but uh, like we talked about last week, uh, the cost of getting it wrong is often higher than the benefit of getting it right. So remember this. This is a good visual that the market goes up the escalator and it goes down the elevator. It goes up the escalator, down the elevator. What I mean by that is when the market is, is expanding and growing, those times of bull market expansion, they are typically more prolonged and more steady. So uh, times of expansion tend to be much longer than times of recession, but also the growth during that period is more steady. It's not like just jumping off the page. It's more just sort of steady incremental growth. But when the economy hits a recession or a bear market, that tends to be very quick, very sudden, very severe. So it usually happens very quickly, and there's more sharp, sudden drops. And um, that's why I say going up the escalator, down the elevator. That's a good way to think of it. 
So if you're going to be invested for a four-year time period, historically, the average then would be that three of those years would be positive, one year would be negative. Now, sometimes we have two negative years in a row. Sometimes we have 10 positive years in a row. It doesn't always fit neatly in a three positive, one negative, three positive, one negative. But historically, that's the average, that there's three times as many positive years as there are negative years. So what we're saying is, if you're going to be invested in the market for any period of time, you're going to see drops. You're going to see dips. You're going to see corrections. You're going to see bear markets. That should not um, cause you to panic. That should not cause you to think, oh no, the world is coming to an end. That is part of the market cycle. That is part of typical market behavior. You are also going to see Historically, we're going to see uh, more times of growth than times of recession. So the biggest danger to you as an investor is not a bear market. That's not your biggest danger because, like we just said, if you're going to be invested in the market, that's inevitable. The biggest danger is not being in the market. It's missing out on the gains in the market. That's the bigger danger to you. So JP Morgan did a little research on um, missing out on market performance. So this is an interesting study here. Uh, 1995 to 2014, the same time range we used for an example in last episode, the S&P 500 during that 20-year period returned 9.85%. So very solid return, even though some years were really bad during that time frame, the overall average was still very, very good. That means if you started with $10,000 at the beginning of that time frame, 1995, and did not reinvest the dividends, you'd end up with 65000 after that 20-year time period. If you missed just the 10 best days, just 10 of the best days, that would be slashed in half. You would end up with $32,600. That would be a 6.1% return. And if you missed out on the 30 best days, your $10,000 would have only grown to $13,400 a 1.5% average annual return. That is a massive difference. So just missing out on 30 days basically erased all of your gains for that 20-year period. And of course, we don't know when those best days are going to be. Nobody knew when the 30 best days in the market were going to be during that 20-year period. That's the importance of staying invested for that 20-year time frame. And the other interesting thing is that a lot of those best days came right after the worst days. A lot of times within a two-week period of really bad days, there's a really good day. Because a lot of times what happens is the market gets some negative news, something that says, oh, no, that's going to impact us very badly, and stocks will drop very quickly because everyone's reacting to the bad news. And then in the coming days, more information comes in, and you start to get a better sense of the impact of this. And a lot of times it was overstated initially, and now the market will rebound because it's like, oh, okay, now that we know this, it's not as bad as it seemed at first. And so... Again, underscoring the importance of investing for the long term and not trying to time the market and jump in and out and missing those potentially uh, best days. Your return is primarily a function of the type of asset you are investing in. And in, in future episodes, I'll get more specific on different asset classes, but I'll just give some a very broad example for now. Let's talk about three different asset classes, stocks, bonds, and cash. These, again, um, these are these are very general categories, but to give you a historical perspective for what an expected return in these categories would be, stocks have returned anywhere between 8 to 11% historical. When you look at a long time frame, 8 to 11% is the historical return for 
stocks. Bonds, on the other hand, are more defensive. So with stocks, you're buying ownership, you're buying equity in a company, there's a higher upside, but there's also more volatility in that the prices fluctuate um, quite a bit uh, year to year. Bonds, on the other hand, are more defensive. They're more stable, predictable, because when, when you're buying a bond, you're essentially the lender. You're lending money to an institution, to a, a government, to a company, and they're paying you a, a stated interest rate in return. And so um, in that sense, your return is more predictable, but also the value of those bonds do not fluctuate nearly as much. They do fluctuate, but not to the extent of stocks. But because bonds have less risk, they also have uh, a lower return. And so bonds historically have returned between 5 to 6%. So still okay, but, but not uh, to the extent of stocks. And then cash would be uh, really generally we're talking about instruments that are, are very short-term in nature, can be very easily liquidated. So something like a U.S. Treasury bill, a three-month Treasury bill has a stated return, but it's very easy to buy or to sell them and they're very liquid. And so cash as a category has been uh, about 1% average annual return. So the idea here is if you're going to be invested for the long term, what's the best category of those three to be invested in? Well, it's stocks. But along with that, you're going to receive a higher rate of volatility, a higher rate of risk, because you, you have years like 1954, where the stock market returned over 50%. It was a phenomenal year, and that was great. But you also have years like 2008, where the market was down about 40% for the year. And of course, that was a very difficult year, a very tough year. And so you're going to have extremes in the midst of all that, again, underscoring the need of being invested for the long term when it comes to stocks. So we'll talk more again in detail about asset allocation and the importance of building a diversified portfolio. But just understand that the function of return in your portfolio is primarily driven by the assets you are investing in. So now let me talk about a few specific unrealistic expectations that investors have when it comes to investing in the market and dispel some myths and underscore some, some truths to live by that'll help you to stay focused and not get derailed in your investment journey. First of all, let's talk about this idea of all-time stock market highs. Sometimes when people say or see that, oh, the stock market hit an all-time high, that is something that signals to them, oh no, there must be a bubble, there must be a crash, there must be something bad around the corner if the market just hit an all-time high. And this is a very misleading um, idea because yes, that has happened a few times in history where we saw the stock market hit an all-time high a la the Great Depression, 1929, stock market hits all-time high and then comes crashing down. But that's typically not the case, and I'll tell you why. When we measure the stock market, we typically use the Dow Jones or the S&P 500, these things. So, for example, the Dow Jones. In 1920, uh, the Dow Jones was 1,100 points. By 1945, it was 2,500 points. By 2000, it was 17,000 points. And then today, and depending on when you're listening to this, I mean, it's 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 in the high 20,000s. Of, of course, it's, it's going to change every single day. Well, of course, during these last 100 years, uh, the Dow Jones has continually hit all-time highs. It's hit all-time highs hundreds of times. Uh, in fact, historically, uh, the market hits an all-time high on an average of one time a month. So... You know, it's sometimes when the market hits an all-time high, does that mean 
it's it's in a bubble. I mean, sometimes it has, but usually, no. It just means the market's growing as it has continually been growing over these last hundred years. And so that's not necessarily something to look at and say, oh, no, that must be a red flag. That must mean that uh, things are overvalued. Another one I think it's good for us to, uh, to address right now because it's election season very appropriate for us to talk about this one, and that is believing that one political party is going to be better for the market than another. See, and you typically see this more on the Republican side uh, because Republicans have historically been more for like pro-business, lower taxes. People assume that they're going to be better for the stock market because they're better for business, better for stock market, right? And actually, historically, that's not been true. The evidence has shown, in fact, that the stock market's performed much better under Democrat presidents. And so depending on your politics, you, you, you might you know uh, embrace that st- statement. You might recoil at that statement, but that's a fact. And the reality is that the reason for that is very complicated. It's not as simple as, oh, this, you know, this party makes the stock market do better. This party makes the stock market do worse. It means that the stock market has a lot of factors that go into its performance way more than just who's in the White House or who's in Congress. That's not to say that political policies don't affect the market because they do, but a lot of times those policies can take years, if not decades, for their full ramifications to be felt. So sometimes what's happening in the market is a result or partially a result of something that was implemented 10, 20 years ago and it has nothing to do with who's currently in office. So 2016 was a great example of people making this mistake when it came to politics. You know, initially it looked like Hillary Clinton was going to win, and so a lot of people who were on the Republican side thought, "Oh no, that's going to be bad for the stock market. Maybe I should sell stocks now and get out because uh, surely there's a recession coming." And then when it became clear that, "Oh no, it's Donald Trump that that won." A lot of people on the left thought, oh, no, Donald Trump's in office now. This is going to be bad for our country, and maybe I should think about selling out of stocks. And and both were wrong because in the ensuing years, the stock market did great. And again, we can argue about, well, how much did the tax breaks and all these different things have to do with the market? Certainly, I think there's, there's a connection to market performance with political policies. What I'm saying is that it's not as simple as Republican president equals stock market up, Democrat president equals stock market down, or vice versa. It's not that simple. The market is very resilient. Companies, good companies, find ways to make money and to be more profitable regardless of who's in office. And so don't get political with your portfolio. Don't try to get political with timing what you're doing with stocks or bonds. I'm telling you, it's 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 not a smart strategy the evidence in history is not on your side when it, when it comes to trying to do that. So instead, leave the politics out of it. Know what your strategy is, and and stick to it regardless of who um, who's president, who's in Congress. Uh, another market expectation that I, I think is important to address is that you know sometimes people think that market drops are the time to get defensive. If if the market drops into a correction or into a bear market. That's time for me to maybe move some money out of stocks and go into bonds, go into cash, go into an annuity, something that gives me guaranteed income. And that's actually the opposite of what you should do. When the market drops, that's time for you to buy low, not time for you to sell low. Um, That's an opportunity. That signals a time when things are on sale. I mean, if if the market has dropped by 20%, if you like the market where it was and then it's 
drop 20%, then why would you not like it even more? And so if you've got a portfolio that is part bonds, part stocks, and stocks drop, that's time, if anything, for you to be moving money, uh, selling out of bonds, and buying more into stocks to, to be, again, buying low, not selling stocks to go into something that has uh, historical return lower than stocks. That's the opposite of what you should do. Uh, another thing that, uh, along this idea of, of expectations is be careful about financial media. We'll talk more about this in a coming episode, but uh, remember that the financial media actually does not exist uh, for your benefit. Uh, their, their primary job is not to make you a better investor. It's to make money because they are a corporation. They're a for-profit business. And the way they make money is, is through advertisements. So the more they get viewership, the more they get clicks the more ads they can sell and the better they do. So they're incentivized to get your attention, not to make you a better investor. Think uh, think about the Weather Channel, and I'm getting ahead of myself because I'm probably going to use this this example in, in, in a coming episode anyway, but think of the Weather Channel. Um, you know, People don't watch the Weather Channel when it's going to be 70 degrees and sunny all week. There's no reason to. That's not compelling. But if there's a storm, there's a hurricane, there's a tornado, there's a flood... Well, then people are watching the news. They want to know what's going on. They want to make sure that they're going to be safe. They, they, it's, it's, it's compelling news, what's going on with this natural disaster. And that's when the Weather Channel makes money. That's when they have viewership. That's when they have clicks. That's when they sell ads. Same with financial media. So be very careful about trusting financial media to actually have your best interest in mind. Uh, remember that they're more trying to get your attention. So a lot of times that means selling you fear, selling you greed, things that cause you to make bad decisions, as we talked about in episode one. So that's going to do it for us for today in part three of what to expect when you are investing. Hopefully this sets the table for you to know what you should see when it comes to investing, not to be thrown off, not to be uh, panicked when the market drops, when you see a correction, when you see a bear market, but instead to say, okay, this is part of what is, is, is entailed. This is what I knew was going to happen. So I'm not going to let that derail me from my long-term strategy. And it will help you to stay the course when others want to panic, when others want to you know, make a, a, a poorly timed decision because they did not see these things coming. Next week, we'll jump into uh, our next episode of these common investing mistakes and how to avoid them. Thank you for listening. Hope you have a great day and I will see you on the next episode.